Will you join me this morning in Luke chapter 17? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start at verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Read along with me as I read this passage. While he, that is Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Stand up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is traveling. And you may say, well, of course he's traveling. It's Thanksgiving. Everybody travels at Thanksgiving. (laughs) No, it's not the Thanksgiving holiday. Actually, whatever holiday it's leading up to is Passover. That's where, where he's going. But, but it is a time of thanksgiving, and he's going to teach us, he along with this Samaritan man who, who is a leper, so much about gratitude and thanksgiving. And, and I want you to follow along with the context of this passage. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is focused on very important ministry, history-making ministry, saving millions and millions and millions of souls ministry, securing your place in heaven for eternity ministry, dying on the cross for your sins and mine ministry. And, And he's passing through a place called Samaria and Galilee. And on a map, this is where it would be, that upper left-hand area. Galilee to the north, Samaria to the left, to the, to the south. Now I want you to understand, he makes a pit stop. We're not told what village, what town it was, but it's a, it's a, it's a nameless little town somewhere along that road. You're talking podunk, rural, out of the way, wrong side of the tracks kind of place. And that's where Jesus is stopping. And Jesus meets them, ten men, ten men who are lepers. These are the lowlifes of society. These are the people you keep your distance from. They are diseased, and some would claim they're that way because of God's judgment upon them. There's a group of them. They're hanging together. They have no one else to hang with. Birds of a feather, what do they do? They flock together. Misery loves what? Company. And these are ten miserable men that no one else wants to be with. And they only have each other. Now, you need to understand something about leprosy. There's over 20 different kinds of leprosy. It it usually affected the skin and worked inward, sometimes into the nervous system of the body. There would be appearance of, of nodules and small knots and lumps in the eyebrows, in the cheeks, in the earlobes, in the nose, in the hands, in the feet. The disease could eat away at the joints, even causing fingers and toes to fall off. 
At times there would be blisters, there would be scabs and scales and, and literally eat away at the major blood vessels of the body, causing the leper at times to even bleed to death. Your own body would waste away with the foul stench of your own flesh rotting off your bones. It's not a pretty picture. And that's what some lepers faced. They're standing at a distance from Jesus, ten of them. Why at a distance? Well, they're quarantined for one. Those who would be possibly infected with leprosy were taken away for 7 to 21 days to be re-examined by a priest. They had to remain 300 feet away from the walls of a city, 150 feet away from main roads. They, they lived in isolation from everybody, usually in sewage areas or dump areas, living in little lean-tos to shade them from the sun and the elements. They were also required to announce their sickness by way of law. They had to yell out, unclean, unclean. In other words, don't come near me, I can't come near you. It'd be like you who have cancer, who have had cancer, having to say, cancer, cancer, as you approach a group of people. Or AIDS, AIDS, or flu, flu. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that'd be nice, thank you. They lived a lonely, unloved life. They were deformed and diseased and isolated and desperate. And there was the emotional and physical pain that they faced daily. And then they meet Jesus. They've heard of Jesus. They've heard stories of what Jesus has been able to do. And they've heard of all things that Jesus is coming to their town. And they start calling out the name of Jesus in verse 13. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Can you imagine ten grown men yelling out your name? Jesus, Jesus, Master, Master, have mercy on us. They are making a scene. They are desperate and they are destitute and only Jesus can help them and only Jesus can heal them. And I want to tell you the greatest thing I ever did in my life was call out the name of Jesus. The greatest thing I ever did was call out the name of Jesus. I, I, I was distanced from God. And, and, and I was rotting away in the stench and sin and shame of who I was. And, and I was covered with this wickedness. And I called out to God. And I was never the same again. Some of you here need to call out to God. You're rotting away in your sin and shame. You are isolated and distanced in your wickedness from God. And he is the only one that can heal you. He's the only one that can save you from your sins. You've got to call out to the name of God, the name of his son. Acts 4.12 tells us this. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be what? Saved. It's his name alone that will save you. It's his work alone that can save you. I, I encourage you, call out the name of Jesus and let him save you. The end of the service, as I always do, I will lead in a prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's your faith in God Almighty. Call out to him and let him save you. They call out Jesus. His name means God saves. Jesus is salvation. Lord is salvation. 
Master, meaning he's the sovereign one with all authority and all power, we look to you alone. Mercy, they're calling out for help and more than that, they're calling out for healing. He is the master of mercy. And he hears them. And he sees them. And he responds to them. And what does he do? He doesn't ignore them because he's got more important things to do like get to Jerusalem and die for the sins of the world. He doesn't shun them because they look gross and they smell gross and they are gross and everybody else is pointing at them like the little kids. He doesn't back away from them lest he catch something they have. He speaks to them. And he speaks to them and their lives are changed forever. Jesus teaches us some very important lessons in real ministry. And don't miss these. See, real ministry is found in nameless little towns, not just big cities. Real ministry is found in little towns, not just big cities. God wants to work everywhere, not just the Jerusalems of this world. You find yourself in a little town, you let God use you wherever you are. Real ministry is found uh, among the hurting few, not just the lost masses. It's not just big congregations and big stadiums filled with people. God cares for individual outcasts of society. You reach out to individuals who are hurting. Let God use you. Real ministry is found in, in helping alleviate physical pain as well as spiritual pain. God cares for the bodies of people, not just their souls. Care for people physically, not just spiritually. Real ministry is found on the way, not just at Jesus' final destination. I want you to understand, he is stopping and being used along the way. Listen carefully. Don't have that goal and that focus in mind that you forget about how God wants to use you along the way. Right where you are every single day as you are traveling, there are places to stop. There are lives to impact for the glory of Almighty God. That's where real ministry takes place. Not just within the walls of a church on a Sunday morning. But every single day you look and stay sensitive to God's leading in your life. And how he wants to use you in the lives of people. And Jesus is used. What does he say? Go and show yourselves to the priests. Isn't that amazing? He, he doesn't lift his hands in prayer over them. He doesn't go down to the ground and, and with spittle and dirt make mud and apply it to them. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't touch them and pronounce them clean or, or healed on his own. What does he say? Go show yourselves to the priests. They knew what it meant. You know what it meant? Jesus was pronouncing them healed without pronouncing them healed. See, it was the priest that determined if a leper was cured and could be accepted back into society. Leviticus 14, 1 and 2 and verse 20. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest. In verse 20, the priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him and he will be what? Clean. Jesus is saying, you're cleansed. Go get the priest's approval on it so that you can enter back into society and life. 
Jesus speaks to them. And it says here, as they were going, they were cleansed. As they physically leave, the leprosy leaves. Man, this incredible miracle. They turn to go, and their skin is restored and made like new. No more nodules and and blisters and and spots and and stench. They're healed miraculously. And and you can just kind of picture the scene with ten guys walking away from Jesus. And the one guy turns around and his buddy says, You're clean! There's no more spots on you. Your leprosy's gone. And he looks back and he says, So are you! And then all of a sudden, just the eruption of a static joy just breaks out among the ten. And they're jumping around possibly or hugging each other. And some of them are crying. I mean, it's an unbelievable scene. Jesus has healed the entire group at once. And I would love to see a phony baloney faith healer do that. Heal 10 guys without being at a service all on their own while you're traveling through somewhere, buddy. That's what I want to see. And now the story just begins to take place. As we see what makes a thankful person a thankful person. Look at verse 15 and 16 of chapter 17. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. We're going to learn a lesson about thankful people because I need to be a better thankful person. And so do you. We need to learn how to show gratitude and what it really means, and not just because of this time of year, but every single day in our lives. What does it mean to be grateful and to be thankful? Number one is this. Thankful people are few in number. There's not many of them. I I mean, if you're thankful, you're in the minority among the majority. Ten to one by this account. See, there, there is always a resounding choir of askers. Oh, God, give me this. Oh, God, help me with this. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, I want. Oh, God, 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 God. Very few times, though, does somebody come out of the choir to sing the solo of gratitude to God. Very few. Are you part of the choir? Are you the one that comes out and sings that sweet solo of gratitude that is so beautiful in the ears of your Maker? He hears asking all day long from all his children with the gimme, 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 gimme. How about you come out of the choir and you just sing with gratitude and fill his ears with praise and thanksgiving. That's what this man does. And boy, does it get God's attention. See, the truly thankful are truly few. I mean, how many children out there tell their mom, thank you for making dinner last night. Thank you for folding the laundry. Thank you for setting the table. Thank you for, for, for feeding me breakfast this morning. Thank you for taking me there. And thank you for dropping me off. And thank you. And Now, most kids just want, want, give me, give me. Can I have, can I have? How few husbands tell their wives, thank you. How few wives tell their husbands, thank you. 
How few employers tell their staff, thank you. How few employees tell their boss, thank you. How few people tell others, thank you. Would you come out of the choir and would you start singing that beautiful, sweet solo of gratitude? There are so many takers and so few thankers. People take for granted and they take the credit and they take advantage of others. How about we take the time to just say thank you? Thankful people are few in number. Thankful people think of others. And it says here in verse 15, when he saw that he had been healed. Well, they all saw that they had been healed, but this guy saw differently and saw deeply. He he thinks and responds differently, and he thinks and responds deeply. He sees, but he doesn't just see himself. The other nine only saw themselves. I mean, they were, they were intoxicated with excitement. They were overwhelmed with the emotions of joy. They're healed. They get to go home. They get to embrace their wife and hold on and hug and kiss their children and see their friends again. I mean, they're so excited. Listen, thankful people don't let joyfulness negate their gratefulness. Thankful people don't let their joyfulness negate their gratefulness. You've seen it on, on, with kids on a Christmas morning, whether it's your own kids or grandkids. They open up that present, they're so excited, do you think they're going to say thank you? Not on your life. They've let their joyfulness negate their gratefulness. Think a little bit deeper. Think a little bit different. And think of others, not yourself. That's what this one leper does. He sees God. He sees that God has answered his prayer. He sees that someone has really cared for him. He sees that this is an undeserved miracle in his life. It's undeserved. See, thankful people understand that. If if you think it's deserved, you're not thankful. He realizes God didn't have to do this for him, but he has done it for him. And so he's overwhelmed with this gift of mercy in his life. Thankful people are overwhelmed with the gift of mercy. They're few in number. They think of others. Thankful people are quick to respond. Verse 15, it says he turned back. It was automatic. It was the right thing to do. He takes immediate action. And, 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 and when it comes to gratitude, the quicker the better. When it comes to gratitude, the quicker the better. You write that note. Don't put it off. You pick up that phone. You call that person. You text them right away. When it comes to gratitude, the quicker, the better. Lest you forget. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He praises twice who praises it once, but he who does not praise it once praises never. How much more powerful is a quick gratitude It's twice as powerful because you took the time to say thank you. When it comes to gratitude, the quicker, the better. Gratitude has been defined like this. It's the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. It's readiness. Be ever ready to express your gratitude. Thankful people, quick to respond. Thankful people. Make the effort, not excuses. Say that with me. 
They make the effort, not excuses. He turns back, and there were plenty of excuses for him not to turn back. I I mean, think about it. It's an issue of obedience. Jesus told me to go to the priest first. I'm just obeying what Jesus said. The law requires me to go to the priest if I'm going to be declared clean. But you know what's very special about this guy? He says there's a greater law, and that's the law of gratitude. I need to obey the law of gratitude before I obey any other law. You know what some of us need to do? We need to start obeying the law of gratitude first in our life. You need to enact the law of gratitude in your life. The first thing I do is I obey the law of gratitude and I give my thanks. And I show my appreciation. And I say thanks. Plenty of excuses. Issue of obedience. How about family? They want to see me. I want to see them. I want to embrace my wife and my children and and love on them and have them love on me. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But there's a greater relationship outside of your family and it is your relationship with your God. That's your first and foremost relationship is with your God who created you and made you and saved you. Here's another excuse. I've got a job. I've got to make sure I can secure it and get it back and check in on it. And it's an issue of providing for my family. And here's another excuse. I can always go back later and thank Jesus. When the truth was, you could always go back and thank those priests and talk to those priests. Jesus was just coming through. He's not going to be around for long. Don't miss your window of gratitude. Don't miss it. Here's another excuse. How about the peer pressure? Come on, man. It's been us 10 forever. We stick together. Misery loves company. Come on with us. We're doing this together. We've been in the bad times together. We're going to be in the good times together. Come on. We don't want you to play catch up. You go back to Jesus. You got to try to catch up with us. It's no fun playing catch up with guys. I I run with a bunch of guys and I run with my dog a lot. And sometimes my dog has to stop. Do you think the guys stop when my dog stops? Uh, No. (laughs) They just keep going, and I'm like, come on, Scout, let's get going. And then I got to take off and run down the trails and try to find these guys, and where'd they go? You're going to have to play catch-up, bud. We're going without you. Peer pressure. Here's another excuse. God knows that I'm thankful anyway. God knows my heart. God understands. I can just say thanks from here. You know what? Jesus will say it himself. He knows, and you know what he's going to say? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Why didn't you turn back? Why didn't you come out of the choir? Why didn't you sing your solo of thanks to God? Here's another excuse. If I go back, maybe Jesus might require something of me. You know, I owe him big time for this. Maybe he's going to want me to serve him or payment of some kind. And wow, wouldn't that be horrible? Not that Jesus was going to do that, but hello, you've just been healed. Don't you think you could serve God? You've just been saved from all your sins. Do you not think you could do something for God? And all you do is complain about your calendar's too full and I can't do this and I can't serve God. He saved you for all eternity. Who do you think you are, you ungrateful brat? You can't go back and say thanks and say, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. 
I am yours set apart for you. I am yours hungry for the truth. Take it all. I am yours. Grateful people make the effort, not excuses. Thankful people give credit to whom credit is due. It says in verse 15 that he was glorifying God with a loud voice. So first and foremost, God is praised. This wasn't luck. It wasn't coincidence. It it wasn't deserved because I'm such a great guy or deserved, you know, because I suffered so long in this life. I remember distinctly many, many years ago getting together with a Christian man and a brand new believer. And I asked this Christian man to share the story of what had taken place in his work. Uh, We saw God provide and bless his work in ways he did not deserve. And I wanted this new believer to be so encouraged in his faith in God. And then I listened to this Christian man go on and on and on about how smart he was and the decisions he made and the hard work he put in and he never mentioned God one time. I just shook my head. So sad, so disappointed. Do not forget to whom you owe everything you have. Everything. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget what? None of his benefits. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from where? Above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Reminds me of a story about Thanksgiving. There was a family seated around the table and from the oldest to the youngest, everyone was taking turns sharing what they were thankful for and it got to the little five-year-old boy and it was his turn and he looked at the turkey and began giving thanks for how it was going to taste and he thanked his mom for cooking it and his dad for buying it and the store for selling it and the farmer for raising it and he traced the whole history of the turkey, okay, from its origin to his plate and then he ended by saying, did I leave anybody out? And his seven-year-old brother said, uh, yes, God. To which he said, I was about to get to him. Make sure you get to God. Make sure you get to God. Make sure you thank him for all that he's done. Thankful people give credit to him, credit is due. Thankful people are unashamed and excited. It says in verse 15, he's glorifying God with a loud voice. I mean, why not? If he could ask for mercy with a raised voice in verse 13, he could give thanks with a loud voice in verse 15. I mean, he's overwhelmed with gratitude. He can't keep it in. He can't hold it back. He's just, he's just welling up with the emotions and, and outbursts of praise. He go, he's going public with his praise. Go public with your praise. Tell your neighbors how good your God has been and don't you dare be ashamed to name his name. Tell your coworkers how good your God has been and don't be ashamed to name his name. Tell your classmates how good your God has been and don't dare be ashamed to name his name. There is no shame in the name of your Savior. By the way, that's what baptism is all about that we're gonna be celebrating this coming Sunday night. A week from tonight. There'll be people come behind this fake wall right here, come down, and you will hear their testimonies of praise to God and their thanksgivings to God. 
By the way, I want to encourage you to be here just to listen to these testimonies and have a potluck meal. We'll have turkey everything, leftover turkey this, leftover turkey. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> Come on out. And if you're here today and you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? Your baptism is a sign of your gratitude to God. By all means, be baptized. You sign up, you go out there, and you say, I want to follow Jesus. It's an issue of obedience, friends. Following the Lord publicly, announcing how he has saved you and your gratitude to to him. Sign up. I I would love to walk down in that water with you and, and, and watch you follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Next Sunday night, sign up. What else do we see? Unashamed and excited, make it verbal and personal. Giving thanks to him. It's not muddled. It's not uncertain. You ever, you ever have somebody come up to you and they kind of thanked you, but you weren't sure if it was really a thanks? Or they kind of apologized to you, but you think it was an apology, but you're not sure? This guy's real clear. Name what you're thankful for. Don't be general, but be specific. When you go ahead and you thank someone or you thank the Lord, you get specific, not general. And by the way, there's nothing we can't be thankful for. Nothing. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything what? Give thanks. If he is sovereign over all, he is in control of all. That means all things, Romans 8.28, work together for what? For good. Even the most tragic things we can give thanks to God for saying, Lord, we are trusting you with this. We are thanking you that you're going to use this. And he's going to. Thankfulness, by the way, is God's will. The rest of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, say it with me, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So some of you here are really struggling to know what the will of God is in your life. This is where you start. You give him thanks for everything. You want to be in God's will? Start right here. Struggling to know God's will? Now you know it. If you're not giving thanks, you're not in God's will. To be in God's will is to start by giving thanks. And by the way, not only is it part of God's will, it's also a part of being spiritual or mature. Ephesians 5, 18 and 20. But be filled with the Spirit. Verse 20 fleshes it out. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So listen to this. If I am not thankful, I am not spiritual. And I cannot be spiritual unless I'm thankful. Oh, I may think I'm really spiritual. I come to church and I have my big Bible and I'm serving. Listen, if you are not a thankful person and you are just a grumpy, whiny, complaining, critical person, You are anything but spiritual. Spiritual people are thankful people. And they are thankful for everything at all times. You know what I just realized? I'm a lot less spiritual than I thought. I need to be more spiritual. And it starts with being thankful. Thankful people, they make it verbal and they make it personal. Here's another thing. Thankful people swallow any and all pride. We see this in two areas in this passage. In verse 16, at the beginning, he fell on his face at his feet. You've heard of the few, the proud, the marines. This is the few, the humble, the grateful. 
That's who he is. There's this physical humility and sincerity as he falls on his face before Jesus and he falls at the feet of Jesus. He's been restored. And by the way, later in verse 16, it says he's a Samaritan. Well, what does that mean? Oh, it means everything. This man swallows any and all pride. He is willing to cross any and all cultural barriers and prejudicial lines. That's what he's doing. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Samaritans were considered half-breeds and dogs by the Jews. Samaritans and Jews didn't have dealings with each other. That's what the woman at the well in John 4, 9 said. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So, so this guy is bowing at the feet of a Jew. You'd be hard-pressed to find an Arab bowing at the feet of a Jew in the Middle East today. I want you to get the picture of what is taking place. Listen, you don't let pride keep you from gratitude. Proud people are never thankful people. You will never be thankful until you swallow your pride and humble your heart. This this is a monumental gesture on behalf of Jesus to heal a Samaritan. And this is a monumental gesture on behalf of the Samaritan to bow at the feet of a Jew. You want to build bridges with different ethnicities, different colors? You want to build bridges with different people that are different from you? You know how you do it? You follow Jesus and the Samaritan. You mercifully bless people, just as Jesus did. You, you go beyond color and culture and prejudice and you bless people who are different than you. That's how you build bridges. You know how else you build bridges? You humbly show gratitude toward others of different colors and ethnicities and cultures. That's how you build bridges right here. You mercifully bless them and you gratefully and humbly thank them. Maybe that's where this nation needs to start. Maybe that's where we as Christians need to take the lead. Thankful people swallow in any all pride. Thankful people are silent to criticize. Verse 17 and 18. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? It's a question. What's the answer? Who's going to answer it? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? It's a question. Who's going to answer it? No one answers it. Do you notice that the man who returns never badmouthed the other nine? Do you notice he never built himself up by putting other people down? Do you notice he never criticizes their lack of gratitude? But I've come back, Lord. I recognized it. Thankful people are too grateful to gripe. Thankful people are too grateful to gripe. Griping about others is a sign of ingratitude in oneself. Griping and whining and criticizing and complaining about other people is a sign of how ungrateful you and I are. Just keep your mouth shut and be thankful and be grateful for what God has done.
Thankful people, one last thing we see. Please God above all others. Boy, do they stand out to God. Verse 17, were there not ten cleansed? The nine, where are they? No one found a return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Wow, this guy is different. And Jesus says, stand up, go. Your faith has made you well. Where are the nine? There's displeasure in the eyes of God with those who are ungrateful. You can just see Jesus looking down the road at the choir as they leave. They're really good at asking. But so few will come out of the choir to humbly sing that sweet solo of gratitude and thanks. Would we be numbered with the one or would we be numbered with the nine? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Would that be what God says of you? Would that be what he says of me? Where is he? Where is she? Does she not realize how much I've done? Does he not realize how much I've done? I mean, God's daily blessing of breath in our lungs, do we give him thanks? God's provision of strength every single day to meet our weakness, do we give him thanks? God's gift of our work and our friends and our families and our church family, do we give him thanks? Or do we take it for granted? And do we take advantage? Or do we take the credit? Do we roll out of bed every single day, day after day, never giving thanks to God? I think it's time we roll out of bed and hit our knees, grateful for another day. Grateful for breath in our lungs. Grateful for eyes that may still be able to see and ears that can still hear. Grateful for so much with our families and our friends and our church. When you roll out of bed, roll right onto your knees and be among those who come out of the choir and sing that sweet solo of praise and thanks. Jesus points him out. Was there no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Spurgeon said, whatever pleases Christ should be carefully cultivated in us. Whatever pleases Christ should be carefully cultivated in us. Giving thanks to God pleases him. It should be carefully cultivated in us. And this is the man who gets the final blessing. Stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Jesus is oh so grateful for gratefulness. Stand up, go, your faith has made you well. What makes a thankful person a thankful person? Say it with me. They're few in number. They think of others. Quick to respond. Make the effort, not excuses. Give credit to whom credit is due. Unashamed and excited. Make it verbal and personal. Swallow any and all pride. Silent to criticize. And they please God above all others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this man and his example to each and every one of us how to be grateful. Forgive us at times for not being grateful. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You who are believers in Jesus Christ, just take a moment right now and talk to your Lord. Maybe you just need to give him thanks. Maybe there are things in your life that you have forgotten about, so much that he has done. 
Just sing that solo of praise right now. Maybe there are commitments that you need to make, changes. The law of gratitude to be followed. Barriers to overcome, bridges to build. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning. And you need to call on the name of Jesus. You sit in your sin and your shame and your stench. You are rotting away in your wickedness and God offers salvation and healing. Humble your heart to the Savior and call out to him. And you may say, Scott, I need God. I need salvation. I need forgiveness. What do I do? In the quietness of your heart right now, call out to him in faith. Use words like these, Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of all my sin. Would you please save me from all my sin? I can't save myself, only you can. I place my faith in you and you alone. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying for all of my sins. I humbly ask for your mercy. Please grant me mercy. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.